Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. Uh, as always, I'm talking to you from Silicon Valley on the edge of Silicon Valley. Uh, sorry, from San Francisco on the edge of Silicon Valley. That was a, a Freudian era. When I feel like being in Silicon Valley, I say I'm there. When I feel I'm on the edge, I say I'm in San Francisco. And of course, Silicon Valley and tech in general is obsessed in May and indeed for the first few months of 2023 with AI. Today, all the headlines are about a group of experts warning that AI could lead to human extinction. CNN and BBC and all major media outlets are running the same story. An existential risk. It's certainly this new chat GPT, an existential risk to reading and writing and authors. And one man who's been following this quite closely is my guest today, David Blake. He's the CEO and founder of Book Club. And he's a man with a lot of experience, both with book lovers and with technology. We catch him. Uh, he's on his 17th wedding anniversary trip in Hawaii. So I'm thrilled that uh, David is going to give us a little bit of his time. I don't want to be selfish, David. I hope your wife um, will forgive me for stealing you for a few minutes. Hopefully. To a happy 17 more years. Yep. Or, or many more years. Uh, David, um, what do you make of this hysteria over AI? You're a, a long-term tech veteran. Um, you, um, you're not just the founder of Book Club, but also Degreed and, and Learning. So you, 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 you've spent a lot of time in and out of tech and reading and books. Yeah. And... Um... For a long time, I was on the edge of Silicon Valley as well. So 10 years in San Francisco and then part of the COVID migration. But, um, you know, this moment, a lot was already happening in the world of reading before AI showed up. So TikTok was a huge um, sort of shift in the world of socializing what people were reading, being able to reach out, connect with others. Uh, COVID uh, was a shift in terms of reading patterns. And we've actually seen uh, the reversal of a lot of the numbers and book sales. Um, when COVID hit, and then all of a sudden AI shows up. And so it really is a moment of great change. And really in that moment, agility and those who are quick to adjust and adapt are those who are able to thrive most. Um, but it's, if you think about a book, a book really is just uh, a story, an idea, a framework, a principle, a life lived, in one sort of modality. And what I think is really happening is that all of these shifts are giving us more ways of packaging up that story, of packaging up that idea. And this shift itself is not necessarily new. We've seen inside the last 10 years, just how much podcasts and audio content has really exploded. And that gave authors one more avenue to express their ideas and tell their stories, as well as to market their book. And with AI, it, you can think of it almost in those terms, which is it's just given us one more modality to take a story, take a idea, to take principles, 
and to reimagine them, to repackage them. And so I think for those who are willing it, to see it um, as a, a way of making their ideas multimodality, of giving their ideas or their story vibrancy, of giving their ideas or their stories um, personalization and the chance to be um, really go deep and be, um, you know, let their fans and their readers just engage in a truly unique and personalized way. I think it's really exciting, but there's a threat sitting behind it as well, which is attribution, which is the rights and the licensing, the digital media management, who, uh, how is this IP getting used and where, and does this start to infringe upon authors and the work and the, the labors that they've put forth to create these stories and ideas? Yeah, it's interesting, uh, David. When you're in Silicon Valley, a threat is an opportunity. When you're on the edge, it's a threat. Uh, and of course, it's both a threat and an opportunity, depending where you stand or sit. I read a really interesting piece by the jazz writer Ted Joa. He has a very good Substack newsletter. And he noted that 50%, it's an astonishing stat, but I'm relying that it's true, um, that 50% of the people who buy vinyl LPs don't own a record player. And they're collecting these things as artifacts. I wonder whether, in a way, the fate mm. of the book might be similar to the fate of vinyl records. I wonder how many people who buy books actually read them. Do you have any guesses on that? I don't know if anyone actually knows. Oh, I don't. Um, I store a lot of... Uh data in my head and, and read a lot of research. I don't have any of those stats at the tip of my tongue. But I mean, I do remember reading uh, research around, you know, it's just, it's, it's correlation, of course, this isn't causation, but the more books someone has in their house, the higher the IQ, you know, and smart people like books, but it's true whether or not you read them is the interesting. Maybe they're smart because they like to show off their books, even if they haven't read any of them. But I really do believe there is, um, you know, I'm an elder millennial and for a big portion of my life, I was trying to get rid of as many books as possible because I was moving mobile millennial. I moved for a portion of my life every year and there's nothing heavier than a moving box full of books. Mm, and <laughs> as the Kindle showed up, as the smartphone showed up, you know, I myself, I love Audible and, and doing audiobooks. There was a period of my life where I was getting rid of all the physical books. But now I have taken a great joy in getting back into physical books and starting to build up my own library. And I do think there is something to the tactile. I don't think books are ever, ever, ever going to go away. I think we will always have that concept of a book. But how you get at that story, how you get at that information I do think is already radically right, the, and, the and, and, I, and I brought that stat up because you noted at the beginning of this conversation that a book contains a story between two covers, but it doesn't have to be two physical covers. It can be on a podcast. It can be audible. It can be all sorts of forms. It can be tweets. Um, can of course be created by AI. But on the other hand, the book is. The physical book has, 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 has survived so successfully, especially compared to any other medium, um, more than, than vinyl. And, and I wonder, as 
the uh, the founder and CEO of of um, of a community of book lovers, uh, mm-hmm. a book club. What it is about the book that that makes it so hard to dislodge, as you suggested, even though it's heavy and unwieldy, and we hate carrying boxes of books. Most of us keep our books, and most of us like to show them off and display them and sit in our libraries. There is books are like a key that unlock certain doors and there is a magic to it because I'll tell you something. I'm a published author. So I'll give you this anecdote just as an author, which is, um, uh, so my book is called the expertise economy co-authored with, um, Kelly Palmer. She was the, um, chief learning officer at LinkedIn. And, and both of us care deeply about the future of education and, and learning and skills and, and the world of lifelong learning and how we reflect that to the world. And these are ideas that we have both had for a majority of our adult life and for the decade preceding when we wrote the book. And when we would write blog posts, you know, it would get some views. When I'd put it on social media, it'd get some views. When I'd, you know, pitch um, outlets, the Wall Street Journal and um, the, the Washington Post and Fortune and Inc. Um, these ideas, my hit rate was, I don't know, one in 15 that someone would be like, yeah, let's, let's have you on and, and write a guest post um, on the topic. As soon as I published the book with Kelly, every outlet came asking us if they were able to do a write-up on the topic, a write-up on the book. The idea hadn't changed at all. The thinking hadn't changed at all. The only difference was, is now it was canonized in a book. And, you know, it just goes to show that we, we are a wash in today's world. We are a wash with content, with media, with ideas. And part of the power of books is that it is actually a pretty high bar in, the, in terms of curation. For something to have made it to the book form means it, someone sat with it for a long time. It means that uh, you can, of course, self-publish, but in the case of a um, published book um, from a publisher, it met a really quite high bar, competitive bar. And so we do just tend to treat the book um, differently. Um, you know, and I really see the world as, you know, it's a combination of all of these things. Let me give you maybe just one more expansive thought as we think about the future, which is, you know, great stories. One of the things that can uh, contribute to a great story is great world building. And inside the last um, couple of years, we've seen world building taken um, beyond anything uh, up to this point. So you think of, of Tolkien and all of the world building that he was able to do. Um, well, you think of Star Wars, you think of the Marvel Universe as it has made, as these kind of worlds have now met modern media, they are expanding at faster rates than ever before. The comics are still getting published, but the movies are getting published. You have fan fiction sites that are now expanding these worlds. And with AI, the, your ability to participate in these worlds is going to become um, rich and immersive. And it's going to mean that the boundaries of these worlds, the number of people, the number of brains, the number of hours we have contributing to these worlds is going to go up and up and up which means these worlds are going to get ever, ever more expansive and broad. And in some ways that's incredibly exciting, but then also it can all be overwhelming. 
is Star Wars a story anymore? Or is it just a place? And the power of the book is that that'll kind of forever be the canon. So in, in an immersive thread, in a big idea, books do bring us back to when they anchor us in the, the canon, the core idea that we can all have in common. AI promises a personalized, immersive, one-off experience in that thread, in that idea, how it applies to you. But the book is the canonized reference point that brings us all back together where we can have a shared conversation, we can have a shared experience. So the world, so I don't think uh, they're ever going away. The world, David, is a big book club. The world is a big book club. That's your, uh, that should be the, uh, the marketing, uh, the, the marketing message. You can, you can pay me in books. Happy to. So in all seriousness, if, if the world is a big book club, what are you trying to do at book club? What is innovative about what you're doing? Many have tried, many have been called on the book club front. Few have been chosen. What are you doing that's different? Yeah, we, we started in COVID and started with a lot of fiction titles. Um, in recent, in the last year, we've really focused up actually around nonfiction because we actually found where that was the last frontier that people were having the most insular experience. So while um, TikTok and social media has allowed communities to form around a lot of fiction um, threads and authors and books and titles and worlds, we found that the nonfiction world was still, I was reading that book late at night, 11 p.m. on my own, wake up and didn't have anyone to talk about it with. And further, as you think about all of the development and self-improvement that we do, um, so many books were really written around leadership management, how to help organizations, how to have great teams, but everyone's reading those books by themselves. So book club really focused up how can we bring people together to apply the book? It goes from being a single player experience that you have by yourself and having it be about passive consumption of ideas. And book club brings it to a applied transformational experience that you're able to have with others, with your team. Is it, um, you, you, one of the things you, you talk about on your website is book club upskilling teams. That sounds very corporate. Are you focused on the corporate market? We have focused up around teams. So any team, nonprofit, for-profit, whether it's a business team or a, a community, um, but we are helping groups of people, teams, apply learning and discuss the learning as a group. And so it really has mostly focused up around a lot of nonfiction or topics that are um, often the books that we put behind the topic can be fictional but they tend to be, um, you know, uh, just a, a meaty topic. So you think of uh, challenging our worldviews in terms of the biases we hold, in terms of a conversation around race and society or race inside of our organization. There's great books, nonfiction and fiction, but we want to spark that conversation so a team can have a um, conversation informed by the best ideas from the best books. How are, you together, working, uh, how are you working with traditional publishers, David? And indeed, uh, book websites and networks like LitHub, which 
this show gets published on. Yeah. So, you know, uh, before this podcast, I was on with one of the great publishers and working on the partnership that we're going to be announcing here very soon. Just recently announced one of the, another fantastic partner, HarperCollins Leadership. So we are helping work with the publishers to take their libraries and to, again, reinvigorate their, um, uh, their, the libraries of books that they have published over the decades. Further, you know, the authors of these books, they publish the book, they do the book tour, they do yeah. public speaking, they show up and, you know, read a chapter of the book at a, a local bookstore. Well, this is a way of, of helping authors to reach people the world over, virtually online in a more um, meaningful uh, and thoughtful way, and to really be able to unlock the conversation. So it's a really powerful tool for the authors and the publishers are seeing that and are really excited by it. So tell me a little bit about the company, how, how, uh, how new you are, how many people work, and, and your business model as well. Sure. We were born of COVID. So this was um, COVID hits in spring of 2020. We would be um, an idea that came alive that summer. And by that fall, we were a company. Um, I'm a serial ed tech entrepreneur. My passion is lifelong learning, building a world where we're learning all the time with others, where we get credit for it. And I really wanted to be working on some of these like softer topics. So a lot of my career had been in higher ed. It had been in professional um, corporate learning. So helping people with their kind of hard skills, the JavaScript and, um, you know, learning international tax. I wanted to be having these conversations around, you know, what is, I mean, right now, what is the, what is the threat of AI? What is the role of humans? Uh, what is the role of uh, the, the creative? What is, I mean, the writer's strike and the role that AI is going to have on it. How do you help have these hard conversations informed by great literature? And that was the passion. And COVID meant that we had to do this in a virtual way. And so we really did start as a, as a website, internet-based, app-based. How do we reach people online? We started um, reaching out to the authors, having them come onto the platform to contribute their um, content directly. So one of the things that makes Book Club different is we always work with the publishers, with the authors. There's companies out there that um, just you know do, do abstracts, do summaries. They don't involve the publisher. They don't involve the author. That is not us. This is really about community and bringing these ideas alive. We're 20 people strong, um, a remote virtual team. We're located in a, a couple of countries across the world. Um, but yeah, really a, a COVID, uh, COVID-informed company. And how rooted are you in independent publishing? And, and how does the, the physical bookstore fit into your ecosystem? Yeah, so we um, don't sell books. So first off, so... Really, it's just kind of my personal philosophic view here. Uh, really am a believer as we think through all of this. We oriented to how can we help the authors in their goals? How can we help the publishers? And personally, I think the same way. So love, um, you know, being able to work with local bookstores, purchase local, work with, uh, you know, um, indie friendly and author friendly outlets. Um so just a believer in that. But we personally don't sell books on our website. It really is about that community and that connection. Um, I think you had another question behind there, but I lost it. Well, the other question, of course, that comes to mind, and I'm sure 
you're all too well aware of this. So the, the, the gorilla in the room is Amazon. I mean, they could, with a flip of a few switches, create book club on the Amazon network. Why haven't they? And do you fear a, a winner-take-all company like Amazon that many people in the book community aren't great lovers of? I know you have to probably be politically careful about what you do and don't say about Amazon. Oh, I mean, I think, um, you know, Amazon takes uh, the opposite approach that we have. I mean, in many ways, they've been sort of antithetical to the um, what's good for the author and the author and kind of the reader community. That said, I mean, I also I love Audible. Um, it's where I've been listening to audiobooks for a long, long time. Um, Goodreads obviously plays a special part in the in the world of books still to this day. Um, during COVID, we did see, though, a, uh, a real proliferation of just um, new apps, new startups, new ideas, new communities that were um, being established on the, the big social channels. So I actually do think it's a really vibrant and healthy time in this moment outside of the kind of Amazon monolith um, and the role that they have. Now, that said, is they are still this 8,000-pound gorilla. And for startups like Book Club and others, you know, it really is important to be able to do our jobs well if we are going to be able to compete against the likes of Amazon. But I think what makes Book Club and others like us so special is, you know, the ability to care deeply about the conversation, about the community, about the interaction, about the transformation, about challenging your worldview, and to be able to focus in on these moments. Um, and we're doing it, you know, we are really focused again, like I said, at this moment around teams, around big uh, ideas that conversations that teams need to have. But as you look across the book world, you'll find incredible communities out there doing fan fiction, um, book talk, uh, book clubs, and influencers leading incredible communities. Uh, we really are, uh, you know, love the vibrancy that is happening, book club and beyond. What do you make of new business models like Substack, for example, which um, many writers have really embraced? Do you feel that book club could fit into uh, a, a Substack universe? I could see it fitting quite well, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think this is an area where, you know, authors have historic published authors have gotten the squeeze over the last several decades and helping get more economics aligned with the author is again, philosophically something to think quite a bit about and that we really try and orient to. And I think um, in our swim lane in particular, you know, authors, they can publish the book, they can do public speaking. That's how a lot of um, business nonfiction authors actually um, do end up making their limit living in between sort of the, um, titles that they're publishing. But this gives them a whole nother option, a way of engaging with teams that, you know, they don't have to get on an airplane. This is more meaningful than just doing a, a webinar or an, an hour virtual sort of keynote. This is a chance to really engage people, apply the book to the team to be able to sort of workshop the book, but to be able to do so virtually and not just parachute in and parachute out. This is a chance to be able to have the team engage around the topic over time, a month, or a quarter, and to be able to have kind of conversations interspersed. And, you know, that's one more incredible way for an author, you know, to kind of put a whole new tool on their tool belt. 
And I'm guessing that Book Club has an interesting opportunity to actually be the middleman in bringing uh, authors, especially nonfiction authors, to corporations and to groups and teams in physical yeah, I mean, I terms. Think... Because, of course, uh, the physical experience of being with a writer, an authority, is so much more meaningful than the online one. Yeah, we're, we're just taking barriers down. I mean, it's, it's not just books and it's not just book club and publishing, but you think of like the, the app Cameo. You're now able to reach out to some of your favorite actors and get them to sing happy birthday, you know, uh, for your uncle's birthday. Um, the access, just tearing down these barriers is one of the great, you know, um, themes of the internet inside the last 15 years is this just kind of democratization and connection that it's able to create. And I think anytime we can get the authors connected with the readers more directly and more intimately, you know, that's, that's special. Special things happen. Do you worry, you've mentioned TikTok a couple of times, lots of cultural pessimists about TikTok and social media in general, particularly the younger generation. Uh, are the kids completely disinterested now in books? Or do you think that it's par for the course, every generation is defined for its cultural pessimism, the death of culture, all sorts of other existential crises? I mean, YA, I mean, look, I, I have a, uh, I've got three kids. My oldest, uh, you know, is right in the demographic. As you read these reports on social media and kids, um, my oldest girl, age 15, you know, that is right in the strike zone of the most sort of damaging social media window. And we've had to be very selective and, um, and for the most part, she isn't on social media. Um, so I do think, you know, there is, um, there are trends that aren't healthy. There is part of this that is, we've got to be very cautionary about. But when you look at the cultural and generational part of it, I love seeing just these rabid fans of some of these, um, you know, book talk communities. And YA has had just a huge kind of um, moment and revitalization um, really driven by book talk. And you're seeing the number of book adaptations that are coming um, to shows and to movies that's gone up. The number of books that are getting optioned has gone up. And I think a lot of that is because we actually are in a really quite incredible, vibrant um, moment where the current media and sort of the old media, you know, are colliding with a new generation and they're having their way with it. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's cool to see what uh, the, the next generation is doing. I'm just, again, old enough, like millennials, that was us for a long time. We were getting pointed at and, you know, we were the disruptors and the change uh, agents and the youngins. And I'm just old enough now to, to see what it's like to have the next generation rising below you and uh, coming in the world of technology and art in, in their own ways. It's great. Yeah, uh, we've had a number of brilliant young, uh, well, YA authors, most of them young on the show. Finally, let's go back to AI. That's where we started, uh, David. How can AI help you in the creation of book club for teams, particularly in the nonfiction area? How do you think you can use not just chat GPT, but all these other applications, which seem now to be 
viable and real, whereas before they were just potential. How can AI be incorporated into book club without undermining books or learning or human conversation? I think just one idea I'll give you, which is, you know, if you think about, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial. Our, our generation has come to, to therapy and, and bigger numbers than ever before. And I think the next generation will top us, you know, but I can listen to a podcast. I can listen to the idea, to the principle, but it's still really hard when I think about how do I apply that in my life? How do I take, you know, this idea from this um, self-help or from a therapist and how do I apply it in my life? And that's why therapists are always going to have their job. But I think, you know, when you think about a book, I can read a great book, you know, um, Speed of Trust, Stephen M. R. Covey. It's a great book. It's a great read. But when I started thinking about how do I apply yeah, that been to on my, my life, show, actually, Covey. So has he? Yeah. yeah, it's a great one. Love it. But applying it to your life is a tough step. And I think that's where AI is going to get super cool. Is, you know, go in there and just say, look, you know, here's the situation I have. I just finished reading Speed of Trust. You know, help me apply the, the circles of trust. Help me apply the principles to this situation that I'm having, you know, right now with my team or right now with this customer, I've lost trust because we had an incident. How do I regain the trust? And uh, it's, it's like a personalized application of the book. It's like having Steven, you know, the next best thing to having Steven, uh, you know, pay him for an hour of his time to sit down and let me tell him the trouble I've gotten in and how, how can I apply the lessons from the book? that's going to scale that it's going to be, you're going to get to talk to your books. Your books are going to talk to you and that is going to be a cool future. Excellent. Talk to your books. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go, David. Um, we're